G'day, I'm Graham, and welcome to the next episode of the Leaders in Technology podcast. Joined today by Sean Callahan. Sean is the founder of Anecdote and author of Putting Stories to Work. Thanks for joining us today, Sean. It's great to be here, Graham. Yeah. Um, obviously, your your work is is all around very close to to what we're doing at Leaders in Technology and. Uh, helping businesses um, develop better leadership. Yes. And you do that through telling stories. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, look, uh, I guess, you know, in terms of what we've been doing this in this area, it kind of started out with me working in IBM. Okay. Uh, so I, I was in IBM in the late 90s, and it was a time where we were looking at big culture change initiatives, right? And we were trying to work out you know, how do you make change when things are complex and messy and, and hard to, you know, to work out. And we came up with this idea that, look, if we could work out what the patterns of behaviour were and then reinforce the patterns that you wanted and disrupt the patterns that you didn't, uh, that over time you would start to enhance the culture of the business. Yep. And we thought, well, how do you do that? You know, how do you find out these patterns? And so we got into... Uh, using stories, we'd go into organisations and we would collect their stories. Okay. Right? And so it'd be leaders telling stories, it'd be employees telling stories, we'd collect a whole bunch of stories, and then we would get the uh, folk in the organisation to actually work out those patterns. Right? Yeah. Anyway, that was great fun. We, we worked all around the world. It was, um, um, and at the same time, we were learning a lot about the whole characteristics of stories, how do you find them, and... Um, and then what happened is I jumped out in 2004 to start Anecdote and our customers, we started doing that work like we had it done in IBM, but our customers wanted us to, um, uh, essentially they wanted us to help them tell stories. Okay. Right? Because that's the hard part, isn't it? Well, in some ways it was, you know. <laughs> Not everyone's comfortable. Well, uh, yeah, well, that's an interesting point, Graham, because people think that, right? But in fact, we're all very natural storytellers. Yeah. But but in informal situations. Yeah. Right? So if you go down to the cafe, that's what we do. We sort of say, oh, what did you do yesterday? Oh, what I did yesterday, and you tell a story about it. And then you just say, naturally yeah, follows yeah, the storytelling. Exactly. So it turns out that we're all natural storytellers, but when we go into business settings, all our stories evaporate. Yep. Right? And we start to talk in a very... Um, authoritative, you know, reason-based way. We stand in front of the PowerPoint slides and we say, right, um, there are three key things that we need to focus on here, and because of that, and therefore, and as a result of that, and we get very, you know, sort of uh, authoritative in that way. Is that a psychological thing or an expectation thing? or? Well, I think it's a cultural thing that's just developed in organisations over time. It almost like comes from, you know, the whole... Uh, you know, industrial management approach. Yeah, right? sort of yeah. Henry Ford. Henry Ford and beyond, right? Yeah. And Taylorism and etc. But But here's the thing. If you do that, your message is almost totally forgettable. Yeah. It doesn't engage people's emotions. It doesn't actually have uh, uh, any sort of way for people to connect. Uh, just yesterday, I was uh, at a big architect's firm up in Brisbane. And... Um, and I ran this little exercise for them. So I sort of said to them, okay, this is right at the beginning of the workshop. I sort of said, okay, I want you to just pair up. And the first thing I want you to do is just describe, you know, your job and what you do for a living. 
anyway. So they did that for a minute. Yep. And I said, okay, that's that's good. Remember that. Remember how that felt. And then I said, now I want you to pair up and I want you to tell the other person something you've done that made a difference at work. Of course, they told a story the second time. Yeah. And then I said to them, so, and you could see the difference. They're like, the second time their hands are moving, they're, they're animated, they're, they're sort of really engaged in it. I mean, the first time they sat there and they went, Hi, I'm an architect. I do interior design and I really liked uh, this and it's really important you should do You know, like yeah. they didn't hardly move and they were monotone. Yep. And I said, guys, that's the, what we're after. And right? I'm guessing the reaction from the person listening was entirely different both times oh, as well. Well, that's right. They're leaning in. You literally see them leaning in, whereas when you're doing it the other way, people lean back. Yeah. So it's, it's not only just what's happening through that, that words, but it's, it's, it's something physical that happens, which I find fascinating. There's been lots of studies to show that uh, stories are about seven times more memorable than facts alone, that they light up the sort of parts of your brain, all over your brain when you're telling a story, whereas if you're just giving sort of reason fact, it just lights up one small part of your brain. Yeah. As a result, you're totally engaged with the information. Someone once told me that Bill Clinton is the ultimate storyteller. Right, And right. that's why he was so successful, yeah. even, even when his popularity was down, because he could tell a story. Yeah, we had a few reasons to tell some stories too, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, but the thing uh, that I think he's also an interesting case study is that he will engage someone just totally and fully. Yeah. Like, he doesn't get distracted. He's not. Apparently, when he met, he would meet someone. You, you wouldn't feel like he was looking over your shoulder to see who the next person to meet. While he was with you, it was like, I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's an, an amazing sort of uh, leadership trait, if you can do that. In fact, you know, um, we did a, a, a project for a big pharmaceutical company. And we collected lots of stories. We're trying to find out what leadership behaviours they wanted to reinforce. Okay. Right? And what we did was we collected about 200 stories of good and bad leadership behaviour, right? And there's some really funny stories in there. Um, and then we had them all around the wall uh, in a workshop. And every month we would take a new group of leaders, right? So we'd get about 16 at a time. And they had to go around the wall and pick the story that had, which was most significant. Right? Okay. Now, their bigger objective was employee engagement. Yep. And that's the thing they want to improve. Anyway, they went around, and every time there was this one story that would filter to the top. And it was about this woman, whenever she went to her manager's office, he'd be, the manager would be typing on his computer, very focused on the computer screen. And then as soon as he saw her out of the corner of his eye, he would stop what he was doing, he'd go around to the table in the middle of the office, sit down, and then just focus on her like there was nothing more important than that conversation. And at the end, she says, um, and you know what? Um, I really value that. And quite frankly, not many managers around here do it. Okay. Right? So anyway, we go through a 12 months of doing this, and so every time they're picking the same story, and they're, and they're talking about it, and they're you know, sort of really um, arguing over what's most significant. Anyway, at the end of the 12 months, the HR director said to us, um, oh, look, we're kind of bored of our stories. Can you go and get some more stories? Okay. Yeah, no worries, off we go. So I went and collected a bunch of more stories. But what was interesting is every time as we were collecting them, we found story after story of people saying, I don't know what it is, but I go to my manager's office these days. They just stop what they're doing. They come, they sit down, they focus on us like this. And we actually saw the behavior change, <laughs> yeah. right? 
And to me, this is the exciting bit, and that is when you share a story, it's not abstract. It's not like, imagine telling a leader, uh, right, I want you to be present. It's very important for you to be present and, and really focused on your employees. Yep. Well, what in the hell does that mean? Yeah, it's... it's Right? But here's, here's the, you know, the, the story approach. Right, what she did, what he did, was he stopped what he's doing, he came around to the table in the middle of the office, he sat down, he focused on her, you know, and, you know, so it's concrete, almost like a little user manual yeah. of what to do. Yeah. And to me, that's the, the value of stories. Right? So is the art, as well as telling stories, yeah. is the art getting others to tell stories? Uh, good point. Yeah, it is. And... Um, it's amazing what happens if you if a leader can get their people telling them stories. Yeah. And here's the trick, right? To get people to tell you stories. Well, there's a couple. One is if you tell a story, they'll tell a story. Yep. Right. And it's just that natural give and take that happens uh, when you do that. But the other one is to ask questions which uh, take you to points in time. Okay. So I'll give you an example of a question that won't get you a story versus one that will get you a story. Sure. So a question that won't get your story would be something like, um, so why did you end up doing that? Right? And what people say is, oh, well, the That's reason... A, it's a definite answer. Well, they give you a reason, you know, yeah. as an answer. But if you said to them, uh, so can you just share with me uh, when, it, when you've seen that sort of thing happen before? Right? All of a sudden they go, oh, yeah, uh, three months ago. And then they start telling the story. Right? Yeah. Now... When they tell the story, you will find inside that story the reason why they did X. Sure. Right? But they'll give you the rich version of it as opposed to the cut down, you know, only tell you what they think you need to know sort of version. Yeah. And I think that's part of it in terms of insight. So you get a lot more information. Yeah, a lot more information. But the other thing you get is when, as soon as you share stories with one another, you actually get closer to the person. Yeah. Right? You get... they. There's a fellow called uh, Terence Gargiulo in the US. He, he says that the shortest distance between two people is a story. Okay. Right? I like that idea, right? Yeah. As soon as you share stories back and forth, all of a sudden you just you get to know them better and you get closer in some way. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very important thing. I, I see that there's sort of three main story um, activities that a leader should be good at. Yep. I mean, storytelling is one of them. Uh, I call out the second one story listening. So, you know, how do you get people to tell you stories? And the third one is um, story triggering. How do you do something remarkable that's going to trigger a story? Okay. Right. So, say for example, you're a senior tech uh, leader. Yep. And you're banging on about collaboration, right? Because the because the business lines are saying collaboration is the way of the future. Mm. So yeah, you see that and you go, yeah, we're getting on board of that. But then all of a sudden, well, everyone's looking at you and they don't really see you collaborating. Yeah. Which one do you think they'll believe more? The actions. The actions, right? Yeah. And so if you want to do something remarkable, it would be then putting something in place which showed you collaborating. Then they start telling stories about it. Sure. Right? And it's through those stories that they get a, an insight into what you're really like, you know, and, and what your character is and, um, and what you think is really important. Yeah. Right. So I think you can't underestimate actually the power of story triggering. By the way, you're already triggering stories. If yeah. you're a leader in an organization, you're already triggering stories. 
It's just whether you like whether you like them or not. (laughs) (laughs) That is the thing, exactly. So, but just wind back to that that idea of story listening. Um, My colleague and I, Mark Schenk, just put out an ebook called Character Trump's Credentials, and it's 170 questions designed to help leaders um, find good stories to tell. Yep. So if you like, I, I can send you a copy to, to send out to anyone who wants to. Definitely. You know, Easy, of... Easier way, where can they get a hold of it? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, I think the easiest one is for me to, maybe we can put a link off your website. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, that'd be the easiest thing to do. Okay. Um, yes, anyway, I think once you start to understand those three elements of storytelling, the question then is about how do you go build your own repertoire? Yeah. And for me, the starting point for any leader is you've got to sort of get good at spotting stories. Okay. A number of times I, I speak to leaders and they go, I've got no stories to tell. I haven't got any. What would I, what would I say? Yeah. You know, and they just, because they don't, they, these stories just wash past them and they don't see them. So the first thing that I help them do is to spot stories. Um, and if you, for example, if you did a Google on spotting stories anecdote, you'll sort of see our infographic that sort of shows you how to spot stories. But the key thing is that a story nearly always starts with a time marker. Okay. Right. So it's the old once upon a time. It's oh uh, yeah yeah. I always say yeah, once upon a time. Not good for business, but <laughs> it's that idea, right? Time marker. Yeah. Time marker. Yeah. So as soon as you know, already I've I've shared some stories, and each one you'll probably hear me say, uh, oh, yesterday I was working with. You know, some architects, you know, yesterday's the time marker, or a while back, or in 1991. Yeah. As soon as you say that, what's coming next is more than likely a story. Right? Yeah. That's just one of the four elements of spotting a story, but it's probably the most important one. And once you've got that ear, all of a sudden, stories just start appearing all around you. Yeah. And then you've got to say to yourself, okay, which stories actually help to get the business point I have across? Because you don't want to be sharing stories in a business setting, I think, unless you have a very clear business point. Yeah. So you're not just going to walk into business and talk about um, your amazing dinner the night before. No, no, so... no, no. That's just gas bagging. Yeah. And no one's interested in that. Yeah. I think the best way to share stories is because you're trying to provide people with an insight. You know, something, something they hadn't thought about, something that's useful for their business. Um, Gary Klein is a world famous uh, psychologist, um, he, in fact he's, a lot of his work was used in uh, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, sort of work in okay. his books, and, but he once said that um, an insight is when someone unexpectedly comes to a better story. Okay. Right? And I think that's what we're trying to do here, you know, you, you use stories to help other people unexpectedly come to a better story. That's yeah. how you influence decision making, that's how you help people sort of see things from a different perspective. And, you know, as a leader, you're always trying to influence people. Yeah, you know, that's part of your job, is to help people understand things from a different perspective. And um, stories are a great way of doing that. Yeah. So as a, as a leader, what percentage of your dialogue through the day should be stories? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I imagine I... some comes down to, I need you to do this. Yeah, that's right. There are times, yeah. there are times when you would never tell a story. Yeah. Right. In that situation, if someone said, 
So, uh, Graeme, so how do I get from here to the shops? Um, you don't sort of go, oh, well, three, three weeks ago, <laughs> I, you know, yeah. no, you're not interested in that. You just give me the directions, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, if I was to make a guesstimate, I, I'd say about 20 to 30% okay. would be useful to have stories. And, you know, call them stories, call them examples, call them real life experiences. But it actually is a tip just in terms of the storytelling uh, art form within a business setting. And that is, it's really important not to actually use the word story. Okay. Right? That, that's what I was thinking as well. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. see, this is what happens. Imagine you're, you're a leader, you're standing in front of your uh, team, and then you say, guys, I, I just want to start off with a, with a story. What do you think the audience is Nursery rhyme. They think yeah, fiction. They think... Yeah, yeah. made up. They yeah. think, uh, do we have time for this? And what in the hell is he doing? Uh, eyes roll. You know, the whole, the whole thing. Groaning. However, if you rewind that, and instead of him saying that, he says, uh, look, uh, a couple of days ago, something important happened I need to share with you. Now they're all going, so what happened? What yeah. And of course, you're still going to share a story. Yeah. Right. But you don't use the S word. Right? I think the S word is a is a real danger because yeah. it just triggers all these negative connotations. However, we love stories. If you, I've had executives say, "Look, we're out of time for stories. Just give us the facts, and you know, the facts will get us there." Yeah. But here's the thing, you know, a story is interesting because it has facts wrapped up with context and delivered with emotion. Yeah. Right? So with those three things, you get the facts, but you remember the facts. Yeah. And you know the meaning of the facts because they're in context. So it's, it's a little package, if you like. And do they get it when you put it that way? Does, does you're out there doing this stuff, teaching yeah. this stuff, does, does business get it? Yeah, yeah. So 10 years ago when we started, or 12 years ago when we started, we were really fringe, right? And I would say not everyone got it. Yeah. Um, now our company, we travel around the world doing it for the biggest corporations you know, on the planet because what's happened, I think, is the world's got more and more complex. There's just more and more information flowing around that people are trying to make sense of things. They've tried different techniques and it hasn't really stuck. And now you've got a bunch of uh, people out there like, uh, let me see, uh, Dan Pink talking about the importance of stories, the Heath brothers talking about the importance of stories. You know, there's all these business books that are coming out to sort of say, story is the way to go, guys. Yeah. But the, the way we've fitted into all this is we've been developed the practical approach to how to do it, right? And my book, Putting Stories to Work, gives people a process, right? The process is you know, around discovery, it's around remembering, it's around sharing, and then it's about refreshing. Yep. Know, and how do you go around that process? So, I mean, to give you an example of, you know, just a, a company that are investing in it, um, uh, one of the big software companies in the US at the moment um, have got their entire sales force learning these techniques because they realise that great salespeople are good storytellers. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's a whole sort of area. Um, so that's my first thought, you know, salespeople. Yes, yes. Um, my, my other thought is, well, your middle managers, your, your team leaders, how do you get them on board? Well, for, take uh, National Australia Bank, right? Yep. So they've been a big customer of ours from the very beginning. And they help us out a lot too. Do they? Yep. Oh, good. And um, so we, we teach their um, up-and-coming branch managers, 
Right? So we're talking guys right on the front line. And for them, it's um, really basic stuff like, you know, okay, how do you convince someone to take a um, mortgage insurance? Right? Well, you can take them through all the facts and fiction, but you could also share a story about how it's had an impact on someone's life. Yep. Right? And it's those types of things. Or how do you help an employee? We've been doing work with uh, the big supermarket over in the UK called Tesco's, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're interested in really basic um, things like, okay, they might have a, a policy where they're trying to implement in their, in their supermarkets where they want people to take me, show me. And, you know, you can convey that this is what we want you to do, but... For, for managers, it's about catching people in the in the action, right? So you see, say you see a, a, a young fellow, he's packing shells, he's up on a on a on a on a ladder. A customer comes past and says, you know, really, I want to find the halloumi, and he gets off the the ladder, he takes down to aisle twenty three, points, you know, shows the person the halloumi, and the manager sees that happening. Yep. Well, then the manager can tell that story to another employee. Right? And another one, and another one. And sure. you know how I was sort of saying about the woman and her manager? Yep. It's the same sort of thing. They now have a concrete example of what it really looks like. But better than that... They... And they picture, like when you were telling that story, I, I was picturing the... Bingo. Because we've all seen shelf stackers, we've all seen That's... someone ask for help in a Exactly, it's relatable. Yeah. Right? So... Um... That's just the way for those managers to really help people understand what they really mean by something. Find a story of, of it actually happening and then tell it. Now, companies like Apple, um, a lot of the um, hotels, we do a lot of work for uh, intercontinental hotels, um, but there's a bunch of hotels that do this. Apple's a great example of it, right? So one of the things they do uh, is every morning, when you see those blue uniforms huddled together before they open up the store, one of the things they're doing is a very simple story technique. Now, they would never call it a story technique, right? They yeah. don't advertise it that way internally. Um, but this is what they do. The day before, they run a net promoter score, um, just uh, one through the store, right? Yeah. And if anyone does very well on the net promoter score, the next morning when in that huddle, the manager will sort of say, oh, Sally uh, got a 10 out of 10 for net promoter score yesterday. And everyone goes, well, well done, Sally, good work. And he'll say, um, do you remember that guy came in from the Danny Nongs, you know, with the, um, with the iP mini iPad issue? And she said, yeah, yeah, yes. Well, why don't you tell everyone what happened? Right? Of course, what does she do? Tells the, tell, still, tell, 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 tell the story, story, right? Tells the story. And at the end, the manager says, so that's fantastic. Great work, right? And what that does, every day they're telling stories of great customer service. So that those guys are in no uh, sort of doubt about what good customer service looks like. Because yeah. they're seeing it every day. And not only that, they get inspired to do it themselves because, hey, Sally's getting recognition for it. She's getting a 10 out of 10. Why can't I get a 10 out you know, It's that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and the hotels do it the same way. It's, it's, it, they've moved away from having those inspirational posters with a, an acronym down the side <laughs> that says, you know, fresh or something like that. And that doesn't have an impact. But just these stories told on a regular basis can have a big, uh, big change for organisations. Yeah. Mm. Do you find when, when people start doing it, they're a little bit awkward? Yes. Yeah, they are, because this is not the way they would normally 
do yeah. things, right? Is it hard to come? Is it? Well, sort of, so because I, I can tell you, my son playing cricket last Saturday, I can yeah. run you through that. Yeah. But to talk you through a business situation, I really have to think how I put that into a story. Yes. Yeah. No. And and it's not about think I had to put it into a story. It's about finding a story and then telling it. Okay. So it's a slightly different uh, mindset. So the the trick is to try to find the stories. It's like trying to capture, you know, catch an employee doing it right. That then it becomes a story you can tell. Yep. Right. Or you might find, um, you know, you might see some great outcome that you've been hoping for play out in one of the factories. Yep. And you go, I can tell that story. We've been working. We've done all these things to make this happen, and I've just seen it happen. Well, now I've got to tell that story, right? Um, you tell it in context. You in don't, context. You, don't just, you might hold on to that story for a month. Oh, yeah, that's so right. You exactly. don't just come out and say, well, here I'm going to Well, so here's the, here's the thing. So imagine, imagine um, you've been working on a safety initiative, right? And you've been doing all these things to uh, enhance safety in your organisation. And then one day you hear a story about this worker down in the factory who on his own time and under his own steam actually rearranged his work area because he knew the way it was arranged before was unsafe. Yeah. Right? And in fact, he, you know, he's absolutely proud of the fact that he did this. Right? So you now say your boss then says, okay, Sean, you've been working on this safety initiative. So what difference is it making? Now you can go, well, the meantime, you know, between safety uh, sort of incidents is, is being pushed out to this and, you know, you can give the facts, which is all great. You have to have that, right? Yeah. But you can also say, and you know what, uh, Robin, um, just a month ago, and then you tell that story, yeah. right? Uh, it will be the story she remembers. It will be the story the that she goes, holy smokes, it is working, Yeah. right? And so that's the, that's the thing that you have to have in your back pocket. Right, and so building that repertoire is really important. And I find that one of the things you sort of have to start doing, if you want to do this well, right, is you almost have to have some sort of little notebook where you're just jotting down those little things and categorising them a little bit. Yep. You know, I do it using Evernote, right? Yeah, it's great. And I just put it in there and I tag tag it around, you know, related to whatever topic that I'm interested in. But you know, the, but the thing I'm writing them down. The, the trick is you don't write them out. You, know, you okay. don't write the whole story out. Yeah, you're not writing a script. You're not writing a script. You're not Hemingway, you know, crafting the next great uh, novel, right? Yeah. All you're trying to do is remember that oral story so you can tell it to your boss or so whoever. So you're sort of logging the situation. Yeah, logging the situation. And, and the, here are the things. You just more or less just have a couple of dot points to remind you of key plot things. And the hard things to remember are people's names and dates and numbers. Yeah. Right. So you probably have to jot those down. So if you were walking into the meeting and you wanted to make sure you got that right, you know, you'd have to write, learn those things. Yeah. But on the, off the cuff, if someone asked you, you could give an answer to those things and not quite get those things right and still have the impact. Yeah. Well, that was what I was sort of thinking about. Does because the old adage, "Never yeah. let the truth get in the way of a good story." Um, well, yeah, that's right. I'm sure in, that's that's in, that's in, live and well in my family. I'm sure. Of it. Yeah, absolutely. In, in business, obviously, there's yeah. um, expectations that um, the the factual um, parts of the story are correct. And look, you know what? If you don't have them correct, 
people will sort people will nail you for it, mm. right? So that's the difference between business storytelling and storytelling down the pub with your mates, yeah. right? No one's going to fact check because that fish gets bigger every that's time. That's right. No one's <laughs> fact checking your fish, right? Yeah. But in business, they will be fact checking, especially the people who are not so excited about what you are proposing or or whatever it might be. Yeah. So you have to be, you know, your stories have to be factual. They have to contain what actually happened. Yeah. And here's the thing, you can't make it up either. Some people have said to me, oh, Sean, why, what if I just make it up? You know, like I could make up a great. I said, man, if you do that, your reputation is just going to be in the toilet. And I find listening to someone, you can tell. Yeah. When someone's making something up, they're not drawing from a memory. They're yes. not drawing from a feeling. Yep, yep. Um, and, and the connection is different. I agree. I agree. And there is something that happens with your whole body language. when Because you, what you're doing is you're reliving the experience. Yeah. Especially stuff that's happened to you, right? Yeah. Is that um, you, you remember it. And as you're remembering it, that coming through the, the conversation that you're having uh, with the person. Um, but the thing I find, so there's a couple of things that I like, what would you say... Uh, how people, how leaders think about this when they first hear it. The first thing they think is it has to be, because they hear the fact that it's about emotion, and mm. they go, oh, God, do I have to do this whole emotion thing? And um, does it have to be a tear-jerking story? Well, it, the short answer is no, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to have that emotion of, um, you know, sadness. It, the emotion could be surprise. In fact, the majority of good business stories just have a little twist in the tail that you go, oh, okay, that's didn't know that. That was interesting. Um, so they don't have to be an amazing stories in that yeah. same way. It's not like you're Louis C.K. Yeah, you're standing not, on the audience, yeah. you know, sort of, you know. And you're not you're not getting your audience to walk away, go, go and listen to this. Yeah, that's so right, exactly. Like... You're not you're not aiming for that. Yeah. All you're aiming for is clarity and and connection and authenticity. You know, that's what you're aiming for, and and to do that. You just have to be on the lookout for those small things that are happening that illustrate your point. Now, here's the thing that I find really interesting. When I ask leaders, um, so what's the one or two things you really need your employees doing? You know, if you were to give them a principle or two to, to work by, I find a lot of leaders struggle with that. They haven't really thought about that. Mm. Right? They're just churning through the work. Yeah. Right. I think the really good leaders say things like. Um, I want my guys to, to just focus on quality. If we can get quality right, all these other good things happen. If that's the case, if that's your thing, you should be looking for quality stories, Yeah. right? And you should be telling quality stories and triggering quality stories and eliciting quality stories, right? Because then after a while, um, they just start to pervade that environment and there's then become no doubt about what's important to that part of the business. Yeah. Um, I'm it's always, more a subliminal message sort of Well, thing, it is. So. It just comes through those conversations. I'm always suspicious of, you know, the whole uh, values exercises that organisations do and they say they value integrity or collaboration or whatever it might be. And there's about 10 values and yeah, organisation will pick five of them. And, oh, I know. And But here's the thing. And I, you kind I, of wonder if they don't value integrity then. Yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing that always worries me is that... Uh, you know, they might say integrity is a value, and I said, "So, fantastic! Uh, can you give me an example of where that's happened?" And it's just like the crickets start to to, to, to chirp at that point. They've got nothing. Yeah. And I figure that if if you value something, 
your organisation should be teeming with stories about that something. Yeah. Right? And so you end up, when you go and look under the surface, there are other things that have been valued. Mm. It's not the espoused values, it's the ones that are actually happening in the business. So in some ways, you know, part of it is understanding what's going on in your own you know, world by finding out the stories. Um, and the second one is to, you know, if you, if you value something, you know, then you have to be sharing those stories to illustrate it. So there's individuals' stories, but then there's also an organisation's Yeah, well, that's right. If you like that, now for me, the culture of an organisation is made up of the stories that are told. Yeah. You know, and if you want to change the culture, you have to change the stories. Yeah. Right? And you do that through changing your behaviour. Um, but you need to know what those stories are in the first place. It's almost yep. like how you do a little bit of a, a reconnoiter of what's, what's actually happening there. Um, I also like this idea of anti-stories. So, so for every story that the leader tells, the organisation will have its own stories that are trying to beat your story. Okay. Right. So, say for example, you're trying to implement a new um, information system. You're about to roll out, um, let's say, an intranet or something like that. Yeah, and you and you you're hyping this up because this is a great new thing. It's going to solve all these great business issues. But the organisation tried to do something like this eight years ago. Total failure. Yeah. You know, didn't get off the ground. And so the organisation is saying we've tried this before and it was just an absolute dog's breakfast and this is this is going to be no different so why put our effort into making this happen yeah right now if the leader is unaware of that anti story they're just going to get sideswiped somewhere down the, the um, you know the way yeah but if they are aware of it they can address it right they can and the first way to address an anti story is to name the anti story okay right so you stand in front of your people and say look i know you might be thinking that you know we, we tried this eight years yeah. ago and it failed, right? But it's different now, and you've got to then be able to tell a better story. Yep. And that's that's the principle that we're working on, is that you can't beat fact... Um, sorry, you can't beat a story with fact. You can only beat it with a better story. Yep. Right? And so there's this story out there. Try to just... Oh, no, here are the facts. That doesn't beat a story. In fact, it just makes the story stronger because they, yeah. think, they think you're hiding something, Right? Uh, you have to have a better story. Now, if you don't have a better story, you better go and create a better story, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, so, but understanding that dynamics of where the stories are playing out in your organisation uh, has enormous uh, impact on just how you can get things done, mm. right? Because you might be up against stories which are just slowing you down, and unless you've addressed those anti-stories, so, you know, you'll be just thinking you're, you're struggling against this, uh, you know, invisible, you know, sort of force out there. So you can literally change a mood of, a, of an organisation um, through telling better stories. That's right. I mean, I, I know, regardless of your politics, I saw that happen when, when Abbott left and Turnbull came in, right? Mm. So we had lots of negative stories from Abbott about, you know, stopping the boats and, you know, we're not going to let this happen and that happen. It was all negative, negative, negative. Turnbull walks in, the first time he, he more or less um, speaks to the, the media... He tells a story about innovation and about the great country and where we're going and all the possibilities. Yeah. And you can just feel the whole country just sort of change its mood just it's a, by, it's by a great those stories. One. Yeah, and it's a great one to look at, actually, because we've got a recent comparison. Um, obviously, uh, Rudd to Gillard. Yeah. And when you compare those two, Gillard came out and gave facts. She did. 
Yeah. And and she tried to convince us with facts. The facts, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it went nowhere. So, and I, mean, I remember very clearly when Turnbull stopped, it's like, yeah, this guy's being advised by someone who understands stories because, you know, he's just telling... You know, he's, he's got more complicated problems to face, that's for sure. But, you yeah. know, in that first first few, at least month or so, you can sort of real sense that idea of, okay, let's let's get the positive stories out. This is a good place to be. We've got lots of opportunities. Yeah. Um, of course, now the proof will be in the pudding, of course. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. um, okay, so you've got your new book um, coming out. Yes, um, yes. Where can, where can people grab a copy of that? Well, it, it's on pre-order at the moment. We publish on the 20th of March, okay. but you can uh, get a copy just going to anecdote.com. Yep. And uh, we're going to put out like a, a really high-end hard copy, this hardback edition. Okay. And, and then... if Gold I, embossed or...? Well, almost. We, we <laughs> have gone, like, I, I must admit, I do love beautiful things. And, and yep. you know, we wanted to create something that was the best quality we could create. And so, um, uh, so that's coming out. But after the 20th of March, then it'll be available on Amazon and Kindle. And In fact, you can pre-order the Kindle Okay. Um, so it'll be available through those uh, channels as well. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's been an interesting process. Um, it's already, I mean, we're lucky because we, there's so many people have done our Storytelling for Leaders programs and, and uh, sort of seen our work that we have a, quite a good uh, group of people who are already interested and sort of got, on, got behind this thing. And um, so, you know, on day one, it will be a, a quite a good seller in terms of uh, yeah. you know, business books, etc. But for me, it's the most important thing is just that leaders um, are able to find something which is very practical. You know, like how do I actually segue from into a story? Yeah. For example, how do I um, how do I go about finding good stories to tell? How do I know it's a good story? Yeah. And then I'm very interested too on, in things like um, how do you tell a story that has got a bigger chance of being retold? Because right? that's a, that's like almost like the, the, the sort of, uh, you know, the end point that you're aiming at. If you can have a story that you tell, but that gets told on and on and on it's again. It's like with Twitter, what are we tweeting for? We want it to be retweeted. Well, that's right, exactly. Yeah. You're hoping it to be retweeted. So there are certain characteristics of stories which um, are more likely to be retold. Okay. Um, and a lot of it's got to do with emotion um, and whether the emotion sort of, Gives, if you have a little bit of a strong emotion which sort of riles you up in some way, there's a better chance that that story will actually get retold. Yeah, because yeah. it's the old adage that people won't remember um, what you said to them, they'll remember how you made them feel. Yeah, exactly. It's that thing, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, so the, the, the book really is, is around uh, that element of it, but it also talks about um, how do organisations... Um, embed storytelling in a systematic and purposeful way. Okay. Um, and I've got this really interesting case study that I did based on a company in the US. Um, this company is called Perch, P-I-R-C-H. Right? Okay, haven't come across no, them. No, no, you wouldn't have come across them, but they've been named, in, they're talked about in the same breath as Tiffany's and um, Apple retail stores. And of all things, guess what they are? They sell uh, plumbing supplies. Wow. Yeah. I, I totally was you not expecting that. You would not have guessed that, that eh? Hmm. You know, when I say plumbing supplies, you know, bathroom appliances, yeah. uh, showers. Uh, anyway, they're an amazing company and you go into their showrooms and they're just like, 
uh, Disneyland for adults, right? And you go in there, they have this one particular room which I thought was amazing. It's kind of like a, um, a sauna. Okay. Right? And uh, like a high end spa, right? And you go in there and they have this long line of shower heads. You know, probably, I'm thinking, oh, probably a good 20, 30 meters long. Yep. Right? And you know, you can close the, the door of the, of the spa, nude up, turn on the showers, <laughs> and literally walk under each shower to decide which shower is the right strength and you know intensity that uh, that you were hoping for. Okay. You know, this is the sort of stuff that they have. Anything in their showroom that looks like it turns on and has water coming out will turn, turn on, on and have water coming out. Um, but the way they use stories is interesting. So they put a lot of effort in getting their staff connected before they open a store. Right. Yeah. So they take them away for a week. Well, they go to their headquarters for a week. It's in uh, San Diego. And uh, not only do they get the store members, but they get all the people they're going to interact with. So the warehouse managers and the people from, from headquarters, you know, the senior leaders. And one, one of the exercises they do is they just share stories around the values. They have a, uh, a manifesto, which is quite different to any manifesto I've seen in a business. It's, okay. it's kind of like phrases that you would uh, see perhaps in a, I don't know... Um, Chick, you know, what's, what was that book called? Something Chickens of the Soul. Uh, soup. Uh, chicken chicken soup, soup for the Soul. soul. That's yeah. right. It sort of has phrases Jack like that. Jack Canfield. Yeah, that's it? right. Yeah. So um, it would be things like, part of their manifesto would be a phrase such as, um, you have a wine, a bottle of wine, drink it. You know, that, and they would have 22 of these phrases, right? That's their yeah. manifesto. So anyway, they get everyone around the circle and they have pictures, random pictures, plus elements of their manifesto on the floor. And people just pick up two, and then they just have to tell a story based on that. Okay. You know, just from their own experience. And all of a sudden, people get all these insights into each other and how, you know, what sort of backgrounds people have had. Um, so that really starts to connect them. And then they go on excursions to other high-end, you know, they'll be off to Tesla and off to, you know, um, Nordstrom or, you know, one of those sort of big Americans... Uh, sort of retailers who are regarded as super high quality. And again, they're trying to find stories of things that happen there and what does this mean? So they're building their, almost like their story repertoire up before they even start the store. So they okay. know what great customer service looks like. They know how to run these things. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it was a really interesting. Um, and the reason why we, uh, I selected them is because um, they got started with their storytelling world through our work. Okay. You know, we did a big thing in San Diego a number of years ago, and it turned out the HR director was in the audience, and he Fantastic. and he got in contact. It was about a year ago, and he said, "I just want to tell you guys, you know, your stuff has changed our world. And by the way, I've reorganised a whole business, so it's story based. And if there's anything I can do for you," and I said, "Well, actually, I'm writing this book at the moment." <laughs> <laughs> so I went over and had a bit of a look at uh, how they operate. And I think what it does as well for for our audience that are sitting out there before hearing that story saying, well, we're not Apple, you know, we're not, um, you know, a big flashy organisation. Well, if a plumbing supply business can do it, yeah. then, um, then so can anyone, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it can be done. It just requires a, a little bit of vision and a point in the right direction and away you go. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to reading the book. Um, Obviously, we've covered how to get a hold of the book. Yes, um, yeah. I'm guessing after this podcast, people are wanting, going to want to know how to get in touch with you and, in, and engage you for their 
organisation and get them telling stories um, website? Yeah, that's the best way. Yeah, come and have a look at our website and. Um, we have lots Just of resources. Our, our yeah, it's, it's anecdote.com. So okay. A N E C D O T E dot com. Fantastic. And um, lots of resources there that you can just download and, and we've been blogging so this is the thing because I came out of IBM I was already into a blogging element so we started blogging in 2004 okay right so as a result we've there's a a wealth of material there for, for anyone to to make use of okay awesome now last question it's um, question without notice uh -huh. we ask um, everyone who comes on this podcast the, the same question mm -hmm. We obviously want to talk to, to great business leaders. Um, we want to talk to people who have um, stories to, yeah. to tell our audience. Who should we talk to next? Who should you talk to next? Well, that's a good question. Um, let me think. The problem I've got is I'm terrible with names, Graham. <laughs> and even though they're my customers. Um, I'll tell you a couple of organisations I'm very impressed with. You know, okay. some of the things that they're doing and maybe in that time I talk about that I can remember some names for you to talk to but um, for example Booper is doing some really interesting things okay right just in terms of connecting uh, what they do with a real core purpose and to me that's that's one of the things that I think are uh, fundamental at the moment is is that element of um, uh, doing that but I tell you one there is a there is a company a really interesting company that and I can think of someone you can, should talk to as well. Um, it's called Culture Amp. Okay. Uh, and Culture Amp is a it's a startup that uh, started up here in um, uh, here in Melbourne, but now they've sort of got offices in London and Silicon Valley, and you know they've sort of really expanded. And what they do is they um, uh, they they run sort of employee engagement sort of surveys and programs, but they do it in a you know, a, a sort of a, a different way in terms of the, the old-fashioned way things are done. But they, the key thing about them is just how they're organising their business, right? They're organising it from the perspective of um, uh, sort of like they're calling it culture first, you know, they're really driving, thinking about the culture and how the culture plays out. And yeah. the guy, one of the guys there um, is, is a fellow called Steve Hopkins. He's, um, he's actually based in Silicon Valley. Okay. But uh, he's originally from Melbourne, uh, and he runs all their customer service. And he is not only a great storyteller, but you know, just one of those great young leaders who are going to go a long way. I think so. He'd be one guy to, to get on your show. Okay, we'll reach out. And so it took me a while, but I got there. Right? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> okay. Well, um, thanks for your time, Sean. It's been a um, fantastic insight into the world of storytelling. And I'm sure our audience has, has learned a lot. Pleasure. It's great to be here. Fantastic. Thanks a lot. Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of our Leadership Podcast Series. Leaders in Technology is for those who want to be powerful, deliberate, strategic thinkers of the future and for whom mediocrity in leadership is unacceptable. If that's you, become an online or a group member today at leadersintechnology.com and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Until next time, keep smiling.